Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, what a cracking start to 2023 we've got for this podcast. Former Bunnings and West Farmer Finance lead Adele Cosuelo laid down her pencil sharpening balance sheet credentials in 2020 to become Chief Customer Officer of the old Kmart Tire and Auto, which was bought off West Farmers by German tire manufacturer Continental for circa $350 million in 2018. But the new owners needed to create and launch an all-new brand and much, much more after 50 years as Kmart Tire and Auto. It's a great tale with twists, turns and successes, which we'll get to shortly. But also, what the hell is a CFO doing jumping ship to become a chief customer officer? That too is a great tale and we'll get to the bottom of that. And to top it off, the mammoth task of rebranding and rewiring my car's entire customer and brand position and customer experience online and offline was handed to a company renowned globally as a leading creative advertising agency network. Advertising, however, was only part of the solution for Adele's business. And the CEO and president of Omnicom's TBWA network, Paul Bradbury, is busting the agency's advertising chops to integrate customer experience, MarTech, and yes, even media into his local creative business. Moreover, he wants to give the consulting firms like Deloitte Digital and Accenture Song some competitive curry when it comes to creativity and customer experience. Big job, that one, but much, much needed. So let's get to this fascinating story around strategy and reinvention for both a retailer and an international advertising agency network. Welcome, Adele and Paul. Looking forward to this one. And Adele, let's just get to the no-brainer question straight away, shall we? What possessed you to leave balance sheets and calculators and finance to become a chief customer officer? And how the hell did you pull that off? Maybe start with a quick, I think, career trajectory of where you've been and why the My Car Move. And welcome, Adele. Great to have you on. And this one, I'm genuinely fascinated by this. We don't see it too often, do we? Yeah, thank you. And I'm also uh, really excited to be here. So, My roles historically in finance have always been far more commercial, and I've always had a really deep interest and curiosity on the future of businesses and how we could grow their market share. But underlying all of that, I've always had a passion for retail and customers, and I was fortunate enough to, you know, work for one of the most trusted brand award winners with Bunnings. That really started my career with West Farmers. And that was in finance and Bunnings, right? That's right. And I had the opportunity to also work as part of finance business partner with them in operations. So that really showed me more of that, you know, real operational insight as well. Um, And straight, that is direct to customer. But I then, you know, that really um, obviously had the opportunity with working for Bunnings, moving then as part of West Farmers, and that then gave me the opportunity to be the CFO at Kmart Tire and Auto Service. Now and that happened car. and you moved across there as CFO in 19? Was it when- so, no, that was 2017, the end of okay. 2017. And that was still under uh, West Farmers' ownership at the time? That's right. Righto. Okay, so then what happened to Dell? You were CFO and then somehow this thing called a CCO, customer, chief customer officer, came up. How did that come about and why did you think you were marginally interested in that? Like I said, I'm just always been really passionate about customer and the journey that we went on through the transition, you know, we knew that we had to grow out the functions and therefore, as we t- will talk through later our journey around people first, we recognise that if we're going to be people first in market, we need to live and breathe that internally in our business. So we had to have a seat at the table in the C-suite. Got it. Well, how much did you know about customers and marketing and MarTech and tech stacks and journey mapping and market positioning and all those things that you don't typically think 
a finance person, you know, is a cross, obviously, in, in the, at a business level, but not necessarily in the in the weeds. Did you know something? Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew what it took, but that's the purpose of partnering with amazing brand agencies because that's the skill set that they give to organisations like ours that are fairly small. We have a tiny marketing team, yeah. and so we heavily rely on great brand agencies. Right. So that's when we get to a plug for Paul, but we don't want to give him too much too early, all right? So let's just keep that one at bay <laughs> for a minute. Let's get to this new brand that you brought to market, right? It didn't exist, um, my car. Uh, didn't exist five years ago. And Kmart, Tyrant Auto had been around for 50 years. Big, big job there of literally going to market, I think, and swapping out brands, let's say, almost overnight mm-hmm. and going, okay, what's going to happen to business? So what did you do, Adele, when, when you first, you know, had this deal done and you'd landed, had you landed on my car at that point? Where did you start? Yeah, so we we absolutely landed on my car. We knew that that resonated with Australian consumers. And on from the date of acquisition, we had only 12 months to transition the brand. We met right. with other brands that had undertaken a rebrand, and that really informed us that we had to partner with a strategic brand agency just to assist in informing, designing our brand essence and CX journey. Just so, out of interest, what sectors, I mean, you won't name name names, but other brands that had rebranded, can you tell who, who they were yeah, and the advice you got? absolutely. So hospitality, stationary furniture, right. and yeah, some of it did sound a little easy, but we certainly recognised that we needed that real brand partner. And right. so, you know, we, we know it's a tough competitive category that we're in. It already was under KTAS. It's going to be even harder now under a new brand potentially. And for consumers, it's a real grudge purchase. So we needed a fresh set of eyes on this brand. And it was that opportunity for us then to appoint TBWA as our brand partner. For everything? So when you say brand partner, like literally, are we talking here about design of the brand or are you talking about the the entire business and and what goes through it? Just how big was the remit? Yeah, fairly large. This was all about who was our customer, how were they you know, going to take their customer journey with us. What was the brand positioning? What was the brand platform? Yeah, it was a large remit. Well, Paul, we might just jump to you now in terms of uh, on the other side, and we'll get back to what you both did with the business. But when the call came in or the conversation happened, what was the the totality of the remit at the time? And did you think that you could do it, everything? Because you've got a very big change going on in your business as well. Yeah, we do. Hi, Paul. and, And hello, everyone. Yeah, look, hopefully everyone's seen the People First advertising campaign that's been in market for the last three years. Or if you haven't seen our advertising campaign, hopefully you've experienced the R-Plates People First initiative that launched back in September. And that was a a really interesting initiative, much like a learner's plate. We were going to put an R-Plate on the back of cars for drivers returning back to the road after serious road trauma. And that idea got tremendous traction. It got incredible PR coverage. But what people may not be aware of is where we've taken people first in terms of delivering and driving the brand transformation for my car internally, right. across customer experience, across uh, culture, and across uh, innovation and MPD. And I think that's where the story gets really interesting. Mm. So just before we get to that, can we step back and say you talked about people first. So there's a couple of positionings here, right? You've got people first, which is the big... Well, talk me through where you landed mm. with Adele on yeah. in the lead up to yeah. everything that we see now. Yeah, look, and as Adele said, we needed to launch a new brand and we needed to launch it and create it pretty quickly to build trust. We had 280 plus stores open for business as my car and uh, we needed to inform people that we were uh, you know, a very viable and growing 
an, an open business. So we had to establish a new brand quickly. It's a very competitive category. So you've got like the likes of, you know, Bob Jane on the tyres. Because this is the yeah. difference too, right? Mm. My car is tyre and servicing. So you've got Ultra Tune on one side and you've got Bob Jane. And there's, there's some fairly so big competitors out there. Big competitors, big spends. And right. as Adele said, we didn't have a media budget to compete with them. And also we're in a low interest, grudge-like purchase category for consumers. So we, we had a bit of a job ahead of us. Mm. But during the brand immersion process, there were two big insights that kind of led to where we got to with the brand platform. The first being... My car has an incredible team of mechanics right across the country. Technically brilliant, uh, very good with people, always going above and beyond. And in fact, the average tenure of a mechanic at my car was eight years, which is pretty incredible for a service organization. I'll take that for a few months. Sort of thanks. Tenure. I think that says a lot about the culture yeah. that existed with the mechanics. And the second big insight was that this was a business built around servicing cars, not customers. And my car were acting like a retailer. In fact, they were incentivized to act like a retailer. They were incentivized to upsell. And what we needed to do, the insight we saw is they needed to act less like a retailer and more like a service provider. And they needed to put the customer first. They needed to put people first, which is how we arrived at the brand strategy, which is care beyond the car. And then the brand platform idea, which is people first. Right. And we're going to get to some of the executional stuff. I want to zip back to Adele, though, because the positioning and, and where you want to go, Continental's a German, with the, you know, the, your new owners, um, that was a sort of a deal out of, as you say, West Farmers. Why do they want to buy this retail network? Yeah, I mean, it's just to grow their awareness of their own brand. So Continental, you know, very well known globally, mm. but in Australia has very little awareness. So it was that opportunity to partner with a huge retailer and company owned and to start to be able to really promote their brand through us as well. Right. And so was it was always going to be a multi-brand play though with it or did something change there in terms of what the initial strategy? Yeah, look, I mean, I think for us it's around educating them that Australian consumers are brand agnostic. So we have to have varying brands. Look, do we sell you know, more continental lines in our in our brands today. So in our entry level and in our premium, sure. But we also have other brands as well mm. that come uh, as, beside those brands. So whilst Paul was working on, on the strategic piece, what was going through your mind in terms of, okay, we're about to go to market with a brand that's not known. Mm-hmm. What was your expectation of what would happen to the business? And what did happen to the business when you uh, flipped brands and customers didn't actually know a thing about you, at least in the first however long months. (laughs) Yeah. So it was an interesting experience. And I think anyone that's been through a rebrand has no doubt seen the same results that that happened. You know, yes, the first thing we did in that 12 months was just go and obviously take off the KTAS sign and put on some mica. And in that, you know, no doubt there was confusion from customers. We were hearing it in store. Customers were coming and curious around who we are and where's Kate has gone, but actually it was the same team in there. Right, um, right. And, and again, this is why it's so important to have that brand partner and have that brand platform and be able to really lean into that. And certainly the journey that we then went on with TBWA that just gave us that real clarity and guidance onto what to do next. I think one of the things you we've talked about earlier was that there was a very convenient halo effect from Kmart for to Kmart Tire and Auto, which had sort of some legacy brand benefits to it. Absolutely. Uh, and then it sort of went away. And so I guess you've got to make that up somehow. What did you do? What was your, you know, building your brands? <laughs> Tough game. Yeah. And I mean, in addition to that, 
during that sale process, the business had essentially been on pause. Right. And so we had to look at concentrating our efforts on where we knew we could differentiate ourselves from our competitors and really disrupt the category. An early focus for us was our Google rating. So, you know, if I think back to January 2020, our rating was at 3.8. Today, we're at 4.8 and our views are up 21% on last year. The work that we did with TBWA was around the CX journey. And that for us was just absolutely critical in defining our idle state and really assisted us with project prioritization. There are seven stages in our journey, so from trigger all the way to recommendation. But for us, it was a really big focus on the booking stage. And so we launched Tires Online in September 2020 and 10 months later, servicing online. That online journey is a complete end-to-end e-commerce experience and a complete differentiator to some of our other brick-and-mortar competitors. Yeah, and it's interesting. So right there, Paul, you know, Adele talked about CX and customer experience being both, you know, on-premise or in-store and and online. That whole CX journey, how deep did you get on that? Because it's not, mm. it's not traditional territory for a creative advertising agency to do this CX design and strategy and implementation. Yeah, no, no, no it's not the traditional heartland. But it's capabilities we've been quietly building out over the last three years. I think more and more brands are built through the sum of their experiences. And if we're going to be proper brand partners to our clients, we need to have a point of view and an understanding across that full customer journey. The customer journey process we went through with my car, and we did it in partnership with my car, was a six-month process. It was incredibly in-depth, lots of store visits, talking to customers, and it was, it was very, very detailed in its assessment. There were seven dimensions. We looked at current state of what the customer journey was like, and then we mapped out future state. What was very powerful, though, is that we had people first. We had uncovered a fresh territory for that category. And let's think about that category. Terribly retail, terribly promotional. It's a fair point. The opportunity to stand out. We had a lens. And it's a fair point, Paul, because people first can be sound sort of motherhood and rhetorical unless it's applied and it's in a category where there's not a lot of it happening, which is, a, you know, valid for what you're talking about. Not, right? it's, a, yeah. it's stack them high and sell them cheap and low is typically what happens. So this people first thing, though, how did that manifest? How, what was the realisation of that? Because it's easy to say, really hard to do. Obviously, from an, an advertising point of view, in that category, it was a very rich territory. You explore the relationship that people have with their cars, and you portray yourself as an organization that understands the customer and how important the car is to their lives. So very fertile, very disruptive in a category that's all promotional and retail. Mm. We spent 60% of our media spend on building the brand right. and 40% on retail. That okay. in itself was disruptive. Okay. And then it's applying that same lens to each stage of that customer journey. How can we make this process more people first? We were in the business of servicing cars. Now we're in the business of serving customers. This is a category ripe for disruption. And it might sound motherhood, but for the category, these are big seismic changes. And by embracing technology and digital, as Adele talked about, we are making the business more people first. And there's a lot more very interesting digital first customer experiences coming down the pipe, isn't there, Adele? Yeah, I mean, we're always open to testing and learning anything that will provide transparency to our customers. And, you know, in an industry where you are, there's so much uncertainty. I drop my car off and where does it go? (laughs) What are they doing with it? So, you know, that was when Paul talks to about current state, future state, ideal state, they were all the learnings. Now, 
they weren't things that we hadn't considered before. So just to pull you up on that, so you're saying that sort of customers would go, I put my car in, I don't know what they're doing to it, but when it comes out, I've got a bill and that's all I know. Is that? It, and you're trying to break down or build some transparency into what happens. Absolutely. I mean, I think if we think about dealers, you don't see the car at all. Right. They take it away. I mean, I think the the beauty of my car is that the way our stores are positioned, the roller doors are up every day and you can see our team working on those cars. But it's still, you know, I think customers and consumers now want to know more. They're curious. They want that transparency. Help me understand what you've done and why you've done it. And so as part of that process, yes, we are trialing, you know, various readers in store where the customers learn about, you know, their tire tread, their wheel alignment, the batteries. And so it's not us manually having to go and show them, oh, we've taken this tread. You're driving over something, it's reading it, the customer believes in it. Right. So it's in real time they can see what's going on with the car. That's right. Right. And this is part of the, the journey, the CX customer experience that you pre-mapped, Paul. That's exactly right, Paul. That's right. exactly right. How can we improve each step of the journey and make it more customer friendly? And how do we use technology to do that? And if we can show in real time an image of what's happening, where your car is at in that process... That's making a much more people-first experience. And what about, you know, when you talk about CX, what about the online e-com play? What tech stacks? Was it TBWA again doing that? Or was that, how did the e-com and MarTech thing kick in? Yeah, I mean, we'd already had, we're already partnering with Salesforce. That had been a West Farmers legacy. So that was, we just continued to use that, but just use it better now. We brought in probably roles within our marketing team that knew how to retain customers, how to acquire more customers. So we really kind of brought in a new team that had that experience and expertise and could lead us there. Otherwise, internally, it was just built on our current kind of ERP platform that we have today. Got it. Okay. I just want to zip back to a point you made earlier, Adele, about your competitive set where on one side you've got pure play, auto service players like UltraTune, Mm -hmm. and on the other you've got big players in tyres that are like uh, Bob Jane. Having both in the same portfolio, in the same store, and what you're planning to do, and we'll get to that a little bit later, is that a blessing or a curse, Having not, not being a single play? I see it as a blessing. We are a one-stop shop, which means as far as a cus- from a customer perspective, I don't just go to Bob Jane for my tyres and I don't just go to UltraTune for my servicing. You can get it all done at my car. It's so convenient for the customer. Right. And so who is your customer? Yeah, we have a lot of them is what we learned at how the beginning of it. <laughs> and like in total number, how many people come through and are uh, customers in a year? Yes, yeah, so we see a million, circa a million customers a year. Okay. Um, but we have a load of segments and there's not one that outweighs any of the others. Mm. Oh, so they're all e- equally split? Fairly equal, yeah. What, what does one or two look like? How yeah. do you segment? So we have names for each of them, which really helps kind of our teams in store know who, what customers walking through the door, what emotions are they feeling today and how do I connect with them? So we have one who's John and he's over 55, but today he's purchasing just kind of tires from us. He's still taking his car to a dealer. And although his car's sort of seven years of age, was he could absolutely be bringing that car to my car. So it's right. how do we start to have that conversation with John around, hey, where did you get your car service? You know, we service vehicles here. And then the other is probably who... I'd say back in the day, we probably thought was the Kmart Tire and Auto Service customer. And so she's Sarah and she's the mum who um, who no doubt probably went to one of our conveniently located my car sites in a shopping centre so that she could drop off her car, dwell for a few hours and head into the shopping centre. And so they are our largest segments today. Okay. But 
very little in comparison to the others as well. And interesting though, that you're not too interested at the moment, I think, in, in targeting in terms of your brand build. You just want essentially, I think you you're talking earlier, you just want everyone to know that my car exists, knows Absolutely. the brand, right? So that's a, it's a sweeping broad comm strategy on that. In Above the Line, we'll always target those segments and in social the same and in radio the same. But for me, anyone that drives a car, I want them to know about my car. All right. So you had your two core um, strategic planks in care beyond the car and people first. What happened? What happened when you dropped the signs, changed the signs, launched in the first 12 months, I guess, and it was just before COVID too, wasn't it? So yeah, talk us through the execution and, and what happened to the business. Sales must have gone down for a little bit, surely. Yeah, they did. And, and you know, probably it was across categories. So, you know, I think maybe tyres were a little more hit because we've taken away now what we do. So we were simply my car. And I'll talk to you a little bit more about that later as to mm. why we've done that. But, you know, for us, that was a, a real absolute opportunity to look into the future. And you're right, going into COVID, you know, that when you want to be in a love above the line and you want to be loud around your brand and certainly a new brand, while we're all being told, stay indoors, yes. <laughs> certainly wasn't a time for us to be loud about, about the brand. So it was kind of other clever ways to go about that with people first. And mm. that really, you know, it's not pandemic proof. I don't want to be arrogant in saying that, but it certainly allowed us to really lean into that people first movement. You know, as our competitors were closing, we remained open for that entire time. You, so right? we really were people first. We were there when they needed us. And did people show up? Absolutely. Nowhere near the amount that we see today, yes. but there were there were absolutely customers, whether you were just your own and needing kind of your tyres to get you to the supermarket or whether you're a delivery driver, we absolutely saw those customers. Okay. So brand awareness and, well, I mean, because this is the other interesting thing with what TBWA did is that you squeezed the toothpaste back into the tube, uh, Paul Bradbury, with putting media and as part of the full um, integrated offer you're doing with my car. So in terms of what happened with media and brand awareness for my car versus Kmart, um, three different scenarios, what happened? Where did brand awareness get to in the first six, 12 months? And what did you do in your media mix? Yeah, I think brand awareness has increased some 12, 14% sort of Is that percentage year points on year. or percent? Percent. Yep. Yeah, year, year on year. And don't forget, in a very crowded, mm. cluttered category, low interest category. So it's performed very well. Um, so how many people? How many people know my car now? If you were to take a sort of a random shot, do you know what? Do you, what do your numbers show? Is it thirty percent, twenty five percent? Yeah, it's it's kind of fifty percent. Oh, so, is it? Right. Yeah. Oh, well, you've done all right. <laughs> take it all back. And, and the media mix remains the same. We are sixty percent of the media spend is building the brand and brand consideration and cutting through and having top of mind. And forty percent is on retail and promotional offers. But even those promotional and retail offers are very people first and very different to the way the other players show well, up. Give us some examples of that, some examples of the customer experience and some of the design and, and sure. rollouts of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one initiative, which was the, uh, the lullaby service. So those with young kids will know to, often to get young kids oh, to yes, sleep. The best, the best thing to do is to put them in the car and drive around the block. We're been all, there, we've all been, yeah. there. We've all been there. But what if your car is several years old and it's got a rattle? The kid can't get to sleep. So we started a, a lullaby service where my car will service your car, find where the rattle is and fix it completely free of charge so that you can get back on the road and uh, get free your of young charge. child so to bring sleep. it in and you'll just do it for nothing. 
well, we'll find that rattle. You'll find the rattle. We'll find the rattle. We'll find yeah. the rattle. Yes. Sorry, a bit of oversell there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Being advertising by any chance. No, former. Yeah. Reformed. That's it. Um, that was a good, that's a good example. It's those sorts of things that you're talking about. Uh, and there's quite a few mm. more to come. I mean, you know, we, we can't talk about them today, but over the coming months and years, you'll see a whole bunch of interesting little customer experience examples where we've applied people first and creativity and we're cutting through. It's service people want. It's also service that captures the attention of the media. So we're, we're driving a lot of earned media coverage Got it. for my car. And that's the beauty of obviously having PR and earned baked into the TWO model through, through 11. For instance, you know, the my car initiative I talked about earlier, it's had uh, earned views or, or earned reach of 290 million people. That means the average person, Australian, has seen that story in the headline news 11 times. Is and that's the getting R the brand talked about. Something different. That's the, the R plates. plates. Right. Yeah, that's the R plates. And, and that wasn't, by the way, you, you didn't really heavily brand that either too, did you? It wasn't, it was, was it brought to you by my... It was Absolutely, it was a, it was a my, my car, car initiative. But people it, first initiative, yeah. yeah. I mean, if we are people first, we need, we need to live and breathe it and uh, we care for customers and we care for customers who've gone through road trauma. Um, Just on that, so how, what was the take up? How, how do you define what's the KPIs of the success apart from the, the you know, exposure? people take it up? Yeah, they have, yeah. I think within 48 hours, we'd um, run out of our plates that yeah. we, we, that we right. had produced. So and so we're producing a, a whole bunch more. Uh, we actually want it to become legislation or law or a, a practice lifted and innovated by state governments. And we're, we're pretty confident that's going to happen. We've had NRMA Insurance endorse our plates in their comms completely unprompted saying, we need this, mm. um, and we're very confident that it could become a real thing, like a learner plate, like a P plate, and that for us would be success. And so just on, on the numbers, uh, Adele, uh, here, so w what's happened to the business now? Can you talk about what sales are, what they were pre-COVID and, and pre-acquisition and what the intent is and some perhaps some you know heads up on some learnings, what you wouldn't have done again and what you realized could have been done better because we all do that? Yeah, I mean, so we from a sales perspective, we've seen growth of of 23% since 2020. And if we think about and reflect on those COVID years are really tough. So mm. for us as a new brand, that's really pleasing to see that, to see that result. Paul spoke around the awareness increase and we know that brand consideration really is at an all-time high. I think the lessons learned for me just continue to go back to that brand platform. And it has just been so galvanizing for our team being able to really lean into that people first. And, and yes, we talk about care beyond the car internally, but at the forefront of every decision you make in store and in store support, you have to put people first. And that's what we just continue to remind ourselves of all the time. I mean, we're, we're out in market, so it's a fairly easy reminder. So let's go to where you're going next, because you did hint, you know, my car dropped tire and auto because I suspect you've got some big, big things planned and it's all part of the, the, the work that TBWA has done all the way through. This is a long-range long range planning program as well. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, we, we use them really, TBWA, as our strategy partner. So when we think about where the business could go, they also absolutely have a seat at the table. And in sometimes really informing us because they are so close to varying retailers and varying industries and are seeing that demand. So it's great from an informative perspective too. I know that when we spoke earlier as well, we mentioned around EVs. And so yes. today we have what we call 30 EV ready stores and it's mainly concentrated kind of on BYD vehicles around servicing. So 
you know, from an EV BYD customer, you know, by the end of That's the year. an electric vehicle brand if you don't know. That's right. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> Um, by the end of this year, they will be able to book online with us. So it will be a consistent journey as what our retail customer has today, um, which is really exciting. But for me, the brand Mica and really having people first in the market just gives us license to just think far more holistically about the needs of the Mica customer today and what they'll need into the future. And it just really lets us consider all of those pain points of car ownership and how Mica can be there when the customer needs us the most at each of those pain points. And so that's that's for me where I really see the strategy going. And that's not just about the service, but then thinking even longer as what other customers can we start to meet depending on where they are? What about learner drivers? What about tradies? Like, mm. you know, how can we start to talk to them as early as the time that they need to drive a car and then recognise all of the pain points of that ownership of a, of a vehicle. Yeah, really interesting. And so does that mean um, very different products? And you also talk about mobile as well. Yeah, yeah. So today we have um, five vans that are that are in Queensland. And we did a lot of research on that. And that absolutely informed us that there is a real appetite for mobile in Queensland. Consumers were already using it there. So we sort of moved all the vans up that had been sitting along the East Coast And so we will grow that. So we'll have kind of four tyre vans, four servicing vans, and then start to spread that out along the East Coast next year as well. And so that's that's really that convenience play where the customer wants us and needs us, we're there for them. So if it's at your home or if it's at your workplace, we'll can be there. And and it does allow us to look into other products. So products that we don't want our technicians, highly qualified technicians in store having to, you know, work on, why wouldn't we have that option as a mobile? So service. So it's an accessory, great. Maybe the mobile guy comes to your home and, and does that for you. Anything else that you're not going to tell me um, in terms of what's next? Because there's quite a scope. You've got a, you, have you got a big long list that you've got to go, all right, we're going to choose X? What could be? Give yeah. us a real, like give us a three-year, four-year scenario. What could happen then? For me, it really is around what vehicles are people driving throughout that time, but I don't think we should fool ourselves. There's always going to be the ICE vehicle, and today our, the average age of our vehicle is older. So we s- assume that we're still going to continue those, seeing those vehicles. And you don't want to deter that customer from coming in if all they're seeing is some charges out the front yes, of a store. Right. But for me, it's really that opportunity, like I said, looking at all the pain points of car ownership and who is best in class in each of those, in each of those areas and really being able to partner with them. Being company owned makes it so much easier for people to want to partner with us. We see it with with our roadside assistance provider today. You know, it's really easy for them because it's a consistent message across all 276 stores today. All of our store managers know exactly what is expected of them every day. And therefore, whether you take your car to a store in Melbourne or you take your car to a store in Queensland, it will be the same experience. But also it allows you, if you are traveling with your vehicle, to take it into a my car store in whichever state you may find yourself in. Just on the EV thing, Adele, um, so longer term, it must present a challenge to the business in some ways because there's less servicing required for you know electric vehicles, right? Yes, you do still need the tire, so you got that bit of it, I get that. But servicing, so what happens in five or six years? This is, I guess, why you've got to look and reinvent your business now for what's coming because Yes, you're right. Now you're saying your average car's older, mm. but in five or 10 years' time, it's going to be a very different scenario, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like I said, there'll still be those older vehicles, 
but the more that we can be the considered service provider for electric vehicles allows us to see those cars. And what we've learned is that there's still quite a lot of servicing that needs to be performed on it, not maybe in the earlier parts of, of, of right. driving the vehicle, but certainly later. And then, yeah, of course, the, the tyre changes. And store expansion, are you going to increase your, your numbers, your footprint? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that was also the opportunity that Continental saw when they acquired us too. You know, they know that there is growth. We know there are market gaps. Today, we are trialling a pop-up store in Chadston. You know, we're looking at things differently. Mm. How can we still be there for customers, again, when they need us? It's fairly convenient. Drop off your vehicle. We take it to another location, work on it, drop it back while you've been shopping. So we're just trying to challenge ourselves internally and also then looking at that opportunity to grow out mobile as well. Adele, Chief Customer Officer. It's a really interesting one, not just because you're a CFO doing it, but it has, it sort of, it burst onto the stage, maybe, you know, I'm thinking eight to 10 years ago, and we had a few. I remember Virgin did did an early, uh, had an, an early appointment, Virgin Airlines, at least that long ago. Um, and then it sort of ebbs and flows, but it's coming back inside blue chips in a big way. And I'm running into lots of them, you know, lots of you new species all the time. What's the difference for, between a CMO and a CCO? And what do you cover that a CMO doesn't? Yeah, sure. So for me, the CCO role really allows me to understand both our internal and external customer. And I'm always conflicted because I've got to remember here that our internal customer is at the coalface and they are delivering the service and people first to that direct customer. (laughs) I can do it all behind the scenes, but they're the ones that are actually delivering it. But it's really then at how can we bring people first to life at every touch point. So it's more than just marketing. As such, obviously, in my remit, I do cover marketing, but I also, what we did as a business, we brought all relevant CX functions together. So yes, marketing is part of it, merchandise, customer care, our program office, business development, and a mobile. But by bringing all those functions together and really working cohesively just allows us to focus on the experience and allows us to really build the MyCar brand. Mm. And the idea for a chief customer officer at MyCar how did that come about? Because, you know, I get the the intent here, but why did CCO become the unifying force, if you like, for all those operational deployments, operational activities? Well, like you said, I mean, it sort of became a little known. Everyone was sort of starting to talk. It felt more around, you know, the CCO role. And I, like you, I meet many and we have varying remits of what we look after But that people first, I continue to go back, Mm. I know, (laughs) around that brand platform of people first meant if we're going to be serious about it, we need someone that's leading it. And if we're going to do that, then what are all of the functions that that absolutely resonates with? Where are all those customer touch points? And so bring all of those people together and make sure that we're just customer obsessed. And that group is, you know, a lot of us have a load of retail experience so it makes it easier to have that, you know, and and we've challenged ourselves differently. We spoke earlier around promotional activity. We never did that under Kmart and we couldn't. We were EDLP. But the first promotion we ever went to market with was 50% off Pirelli on a Black Friday. We've now done that for three years. And, you know, the messaging to the market this year from me was we know that customers are going to need their car. And giving them this offer this close to Christmas and knowing how big Black Friday was going to be, what a fantastic message to our customers. 
new or existing, mm. you know, 50% off Pirelli, a brand that everyone knows. Yeah. Everyone knows Pirelli. Well, I wish we'd recorded this podcast about a week ago <laughs> and I could have taken Taking advantage. Yeah, I could have been a My Car customer. Yeah. So we've just been able to think differently, but that's come from the partnership with TBWA, but having the right team in My Car now that are challenging, we're challenging each other to think differently and to always have your customer hat on. Mm, that's really interesting. And, and, and so interesting, again, coming from a CFO's perspective. Um, but I take your point, you're, you're in, in retail and it was sort of a natural extension. Paul, this goes to what, what we just talked about there with the CCO goes to your reinvention really at TBWA. Um, you talk about broadening your services, becoming a creative consultancy first, not an ad agency, rebuilding media capabilities, and in, in most interesting, I think, the, the need for CMOs to become CXOs. Have you been spending too much time with Adele on cross-functional capability uh, conversations? And please explain, what do you mean by a CXO and what do you see as the, you know, the future CMO or what CMOs, the next level of capabilities for a CMO maybe. If I've been spending too much time with Adele, that's only it's a good thing. Not a problem. That's only a good thing for us. Look, TBWA is still very much an advertising agency, Paul. Yeah. We do want and do have ambition to apply disruption and creativity to total brand experience. And not always are we going to get significant end-to-end brand transformation opportunities like we have with my car. But what we do want to do is apply creativity more and more to customer experience. I think it's the right thing to do for brands to differentiate other experience. And I think it gives us a bigger creative canvas to play on. And that's why we're able to get initiatives like our plates in market, because we do want to play more across that customer experience landscape. They could be seen in isolation though, Paul, as sort of a tactical hit and a one-off, but stacked up, I guess this is what you're saying. There's a a series of experiences that you're designing. That's right. I mean, we've been working on the People First platform for three years. Mm. We do want to have little hits every year, every couple of months, ideally, where we are, you know, improving the customer experience and we do produce, you know, an idea that does drive earned media. That's only creating value and ensuring that my car is top of mind for mm. Australian motorists. So I see that as a very positive thing. Sorry, I, we digressed. Yeah. Um, we're talking about sort of, the, you, you know, how you're designing, redesigning your business. Yeah, that's right. Well, we, we do want to play right across the total brand experience. It's an ambition. It's a journey. We're not totally there, there yet, but we're certainly learning and we're growing. And by having case studies, and as I said, we've been working with my car for three years. It's only now that we're starting to talk about it mm. because, you know, we, we didn't want to blow our horn before, you know, we actually had some tangible proof of evidence that our model is working and our approach is working. And, and I believe we do. Let's talk about it just on my car first, though, because it is a indicator of w- what you will be doing more of oh, in terms absolutely. of the services brought to the business. So, yeah. You have CX, and that's online, offline, that's journey, it's all yep. that stuff. You have media, you've got the the advertising, you've got the PR. What else is in there that you've done in, in the suite? Yeah, and we've, we've got upstream strategic consulting, yeah? So we'll go into businesses and with data analytics, and we'll have a look for growth opportunities, business growth opportunities. That's what we do with my car as well. well. We'll obviously take, you know, we'll have a good look at what the my car customer base is by looking at data and analytics. We try and find new growth opportunities and new audiences, and we're doing that with with other clients as well. Then you're right. Then we're into CX, we're into UX, we're into integrated advertising campaigns, and yeah, we've got media integrated for my car, powered by OMG. But the media people sit within our team at TWA, and that's the model we're going to play out as we go forward with media and performance. We're going to be powered by OMG. Be crazy not to use you know, those, the sister, those the sister company OMG yep. assets, yep. but the people will sit within the brand teams and the strategic what, what's teams. What's it done? What's it brought 
differently to how the business does its thing? Well, first and foremost, a lot more uh, interaction between creativity and media. I think we've got to be using media um, apertures a lot more creatively and efficiently. So it's brought that. It's brought obvious efficiencies by having those media people within the account team. And uh, I think it's also brought about um, you know, cost efficiencies for, for, the, for the client because there isn't duplication right. and there isn't competing agencies at the trough with different agendas. Well, it's I just want to dip Adele on that because the single service thing sometimes is seen as a, conceptually, strategically, it's a good thing, but sometimes best of breed doesn't necessarily get everything in the one stop. Did you th- flirt at all with the idea of having multiple partners? Yeah, definitely. But I absolutely see the advantage. Like Paul said, they sit together. We sit in a room together with all of our agencies. They're all accountable. It's ringing the one neck. Yeah. It's not multiple. They understand the messaging. They all know where we're going. It's So they're so aligned, which just makes it so much easier for us at Micah. Mm. Paul, so some of the stuff you're talking about is absolutely, I mean, I get it's needed. If you look at customer experience, even in an online context, so much of it is is about reducing friction but it can be as boring as all batshit, right? The experience is actually, it's not distinctive. And we talk about distinctiveness and differentiation in so many areas, but sometimes the customer experience is pretty, just pretty average. So a lot of that is built out and designed by consulting firms and systems integrators and implementers and all those other areas where you haven't historically played. You think you can bring some new magic to this. What, what are you talking about? What, I, I think we start from a, a different place. And, and I think that different place is, Creativity, largely. I mean, I think the consultancies have obviously recognised the importance of creativity to build difference and differentiation across the experience. And obviously, they're you know they're buying creative assets around the world and they're trying to integrate those assets. So we and are hiring com- a lot of your creative people, by the well, way. Not our creative people. I wouldn't but, say but, okay. But people across industry. our industry, absolutely. Abs- you, you wouldn't absolutely. lose anyone to a consultant, would you? Well, let's, too good. Let's hope not. Um, but um, we're coming from a different place. We're coming from you know being grounded in creativity and we're building our capabilities out. As we build capabilities, we're making sure we don't lose that creative potency. Mm. So we're very deliberate and measured in the way we scale our capabilities because we don't want to lose the superpower of of creativity. Look, we're we're on a journey. We've got an ambition to play more along the total brand experience. Consultancies are obviously fast-tracking their capabilities into creativity. I think the ultimate destination is to be respected and regarded as the most creative consultancy. We're coming from creativity out. They're coming from consultancy back and trying to instill creativity into the way they operate. Not easy building a creative culture across a big organization with a big legacy in in how the consultancies work. That is a big challenge for them. We've equally got a big challenge to build out capabilities. And we probably won't do it at the speed and scale of the consultancies, but certainly from uh, the experience we've had working with my car, there's some good muscle memory being built, additional capabilities being built, and we'll just quietly build as clients want to allow us to be involved with their brand transformations. And I'm very grateful, obviously, to Adele and Adam and Cynthia for being such wonderful partners. They definitely took a leap of faith with us. Why did you, Adele? What was about <laughs> this mob that, that you thought, okay, we, we'll, we can back this? It was a winning pitch. Right. <laughs> No, no, and I mean, we spoke about the lullaby campaign. It was, there were wins there already. And so we knew, we knew that they're best in class for us. I also think there was a a real robustness to the strategy. Yeah. I think when we we went in and and showed understanding of the, of where the My Car brand could go and we pointed out, you know, stop acting like a retailer, start acting like a service provider. 
we had a very, very strong strategic roadmap. And I think that gave them a bit of confidence that we would be able to execute. Mm. But when you talk about data and analytics um, inside a creative agency, now I know we've heard this, this is where it's all the creativity's future is, is yeah. you know, bound up in or linked to uh, deeply into in data analytics. But how does a creative agency even have the capabilities before you had my car to know that? So the capability thing there, data yeah. and data science, yeah, really? Yeah, You've we got do. Them? And no, no, TBWA Globally has built this out. We have a hub in Singapore of over 60 data analysts that tier one, tier two, TBWA agencies around the world contribute to financially and we tap into that hub in Singapore. So we have data literate people within our strategic planning team who brief this incredible team of 60 data analysts in Singapore with what we need and um, they come back with uh, the data analysis done. We take that That's to our clients. That's how it works, okay. That's how it's working. Righto, okay. So there's a center, there's a center of excellence. If there you is, like. yeah. Um, and what about this notion of consulting? Because I think you've just had a, a big firm that Omnicom owns globally come into your, yeah, we into have. your portfolio yeah. here in Australia. Talk about that. Yeah, we have, yeah. O- Omnicom's got a boutique uh, tech and data consulting um, organization called Credera. They're quite significant in the UK and the US. and 5,000 people or something, I think you said. Is that right? 5,000 people yep. across the US and the UK. Still quite boutique compared to the big yes, four consultancies. Right. They've now opened up in Sydney and um, we uh, persuaded, convinced them that they should open up within our group. So that's just going to give us some more sort of uh, firepower as we dive deeper and further into tech consultancy. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so... Do you genuinely think, Paul Bradbury, that you can cut it and compete with the consulting firms on the harder edge stuff, not the executional creative? I get that you're well competitive in that. But as to your, what you said earlier, as they try and move into your territory, you're trying to move into theirs, can you really do it? Look, we don't have the scale of capabilities to compete against them right now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that we do. But we are building those capabilities out. And our model is creativity first. So we believe that if we can ensure that creativity is at the heart of that experience, maybe that gives us a competitive edge. And if we, can, you know, if we keep doing great, successful, commercially powerful transformations like we've done with my car, we're only going to build in credibility and scale as we go forward. And as I said, we're working on similar transformations for other clients within TWA, which we'll share about in, in coming months. And as I said, it won't always be full end-to-end business transformation projects. I'm not going to pretend we'd walk into, you know, Woolworths and say, we could do all of it for you. But what we can do is apply creativity across that customer experience and we'll find more opportunities to bring that to life rather than just staying in the advertising sandpit. Because if we stay there and if we don't innovate, we're not going to grow and we're not going to be seen as a trusted partner for CMOs or, you know, they're probably more uh, represented if we call them CXOs, chief experience officers, we're not going to be that partner who can help orchestrate and simplify if we only play in the sandpit of advertising. That's not how brands are built. Brands are built through the sum of those experiences. And the good agencies have recognized this. The good holding companies have recognized this. We have recognized this. And we're, we're building out those capabilities with creativity at the heart. It's a journey. It's an ambition. But we're underway. We've got a case study. Yeah, We've got my car, people first case study. Three years in the making, it's growing the business, it's providing a blueprint for a future. And I haven't seen too many other case studies like that from any of our competitors, consultancies or ad agencies. Well, there's a call to arms. Let's see if we can pull some in now, now that you've put the challenge out there, uh, Paul Bradbury. But 
I want to ask Adele, when you hear people talk about creativity, mm-hmm. what happens in your mind? What's your, what are your receptors telling you? Because it's important, but it also can be seen as a little bit sort of fluffy and fuzzy and generic. I think it's what consumers want. And I think if I reflect around that COVID period, I think if I think about whether it is just TVC, and we spent a lot of time in front of that during that period, the lighthearted ones were the ones that kind of made me have a little giggle and not forget about what the hell was going on with my life at that time. Just a bit of break. Bit yeah. Of break. Mm. And, and I think that's that emotive play and, you know, and that's what I love about our People First campaigns. There's so much humour and it's not about product and price like all of our competitors mm bang on about. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there is a risk there though, because there is a certain part of the market that that's what will they respond to, right? So it's a, in your risk analysis of, okay, we're not going to bang on about price and, and do really hardcore retail offers. Yep. What is the risk to that? But we are there for them when they need that. So we have a price beat guarantee. So right. if you come in and you say, I saw a tire at Bob Jane for this price, we will beat that price. Right, right. We do have promotional activity now. So we don't, it's not just the Black Friday campaign. We're in $100 off logbook services and other, and other promotions. So it, that's an also a great way for us to obviously raise awareness for the brand and show that we are competing in promotions. Coming into the CCO role mm-hmm. from CFO, what were the sort of the top one or two skill sets and capabilities that you as the leader needed to get your head around? Because, you know, you've got brand and marketing on one side and to your point, you've got call centers and, and retail stores on the other, quite diverse. So what, what capabilities did you need to build really far or what were the, the top priorities you needed, top capabilities you needed? I think not the capability that I had to learn, but needed was just that commercial now straight away. And I think you're probably fooling yourself if in any role you need to have that. So whether I'm looking at the results from a campaign or what we've spent or what we're going to spend and what's the reach, that's really important. And so having that commercial now already kind of allows me to understand that fairly quickly. I think from, I'm a consumer like anyone else and I'm a my car customer as well. And so I know what I expect. And so you kind of already set that scene But then again, it's just partnering with that right brand partner that really helps us along that journey. And for me, having a great team that supports that and believes in it. Coming from finance, have you been, you get no problems protecting your budget then? You know how to to play the numbers. (laughs) I'd still want more. (laughs) They they still won't give you more. And how does that feel now, Adele? Horrible. Yes, right. (laughs) Welcome. No, but seriously, in terms of your conversation with finance now um, yeah. and, and budget setting and all those things that, you know, the contribution to what's – because you know that game, does it help? Absolutely. I mean, it builds that trust. I prob- I can explain it so much more. Marketing is – in any organisation you work in, you know – It's an it's, enigma. It's really horrible, actually. <laughs> yes. But I, I think for me being able to sit at the table and explain to them, this is what we're going to see. And some of this we don't know, but we know we've got to be in the game. If our competitors are spending three times as much of us, as us on TV, we've got to be in it. Can I tell you what it's going to deliver? Maybe not, but you've got to be in it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think, you know, I'm working with the same peers that have been on this journey with me. So it just absolutely builds that level of trust. And the same when I think about Continental. You know, I was sitting there face-to-face with them when they were looking at acquiring us. So they know 
my background mm. and, you know, and therefore it's that really that trust. Well, I mean, we're going to have to have you on for another one on this because it's <laughs> in and around this function because to your point when you just said earlier, you know, marketing, it's, well, I said it's an enigma and you said something else, but that is the point. Yeah. That it's sometimes really hard to prove out the business impact of marketing. This is what stirs and, and drives a lot of debate, doesn't it, is, is the business side of how does it demonstrate what it's doing. Have you come up with some great scenarios that sort of land that at all or is it just trust us? Because that's what you're pretty much saying to finance. Yeah, and, and I th- I think we because we're so in the infancy of the brand, so it's really showing, you know, we do a brand health dip every six months. So if we spend this, look what's happening. If we don't spend this, look what's happening. It's really clear. Right. And, and coming from where we have, 50 years that brand would have been around. Mm. Nine out of 10 people, no caters. They still do today, mm-hmm. you know, but you're right. It was the halo effect of, of the Kmart brand. So now we have to build that. And I look forward to the day where I can stop saying formerly Kmart's hire an auto right, service. Right, right. So <laughs> contextualise what business you're in. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Paul, really quickly, how do you find, um, is working with Adele any different because of her background or is it just you know, good people, smart leaders are just smart leaders? Absolutely, Paul. That was a compliment. I don't know why I did <laughs> no, that. But, but, <laughs> no, but Adele comes from a customer first. And uh, that's what makes her such such a great client, yeah. Mm. And she's been, you know, very open and very transparent with us, as has Adam and has has Cynthia all the way through this journey. They've let us in under the hood, so to speak. Yeah. And um, they've been, you know, very very trusting and very collaborative partners that allow have allowed us to be our best. And they've they've been open to creativity in a big way, and it's paying dividends. And I'm couldn't be happier. Okay, we've got to wind this up because it's, it's all my fault. I keep asking questions. Final thoughts for 23, both of you. Watch out, customer consumer trends, the economy, but really quickly. So Paul Bradbury, what's your sense on, on this year? And I've got to ask, are you getting any, because this is great conundrum at the moment about the economy and volatility, but consumer spending is, you know, the consumers are holding up. So it's kind of Australia's, uh, once again, a bit like the GFC, a bit wacko and that we're sort of, you know, zigging when everyone's zagging. What's your sense for this year and what are you getting from clients? Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it does seem to be holding up. Uh, I have had a couple of uh, challenging conversations with retailers, particularly those in fashion retail over right. the last couple of weeks. I think uh, it's going to be a challenging economy next year. I do expect there will be some contraction in some industries. And the upside of that is that uh, the good agencies, the good creative companies will shine during those, those times. Those that have invested in specialist capabilities that can meet the changing needs of the CMO or the CXO will be well-placed. And of course, those that have doubled down on creativity and continue to double down on creativity, both client and agency side will prosper and grow and grow their market share. Um, so any change in, in your pipeline of, of workflow that sort of signals where things might be contracting and shifting to? As I said, fashion retail, a couple, couple of our clients in that space. Campaigns, less less stuff coming through in the pipe for campaigns next year? Uh, a, a bit of a pullback in terms of overall spend. You know, probably if you look at the calendar, if they're doing six uh, moments throughout the year, perhaps they're doing four. Do you know okay. what I mean? It's, it's that sort of a, a pullback. Yeah. But, but who knows? We might get to Q2 next year and... Uh, you know, our commodities once again have, have helped us ride Saved through. Yeah. You know, the crunch on mortgages may not be as pronounced and uh, those budgets might come back. Adele, Who knows with Australia? Anything's possible. Yeah, exactly right. Adele, 23, um, key thoughts for this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, customers are more informed and experienced than ever before. Let's look at those last two years and how many people were shopping online, no mm. matter what their age. Mm. Um, and they're consuming content now across multiple channels just giving them even more platforms to voice their opinions and you have to listen to them. You have to. They want to buy a feeling. And so if you're making an emotive play, 
you have to be able to deliver that experience. So that's where you're working on. That's the expectation for the market. Absolutely. Great. Well, Adele and Paul, great conversation. Really, really interesting. We'll come back for another three-hour conversation, but stay safe and look forward to uh, some popcorn moments watching my car in the next uh, 12 months to two years. Thanks for joining. Thanks very much, Paul. Thanks, Adele. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.